Dear diary. Dear diary. Wow. Today was a really hard day. Dear diary, I find sometimes my life can be hard. Dear diary, it will pass and it will be okay. Dear diary, I feel like today is going to be. Shh. The Indigo Diaries. Dear diary, welcome, world, to the Indigo Diaries. First, let me introduce myself like I do every time. I don't feel like I need to introduce myself anymore, but my name is Tasha Hickvin. And I'm the host of this brand new, well, not really brand new, of this podcast, The Indigo Diaries. Thanks to everyone for coming in and listening. And if this your first time, then welcome. And if you're returning, welcome back. I welcome you all to the first series called The World Through Our Eyes and another episode with a brand new guest. And now I can't believe that we're actually in the first double digits for episode, which is so exciting. When I started this, I thought I would get like one or two. I still cannot quite believe it. And I couldn't be more grateful with the response and people volunteering to reach out and want to share their life of living with ADHD in a diary format. And our next guest is no exception. She is someone who only a week ago I met online for our pre-interview, but we have a mutual friend in common who hopefully will be also joining us soon on here. Anyways, before I go off on a tangent, she reached out to myself on Instagram. And that's what I love about social media, the connections that you can make from different people from around the world. Then I started to actually look into her and what she does. And you could call it uh, Facebook stalking or just curious. (laughs) And I realized, wow, this person is definitely someone I need first need to meet and secondly, need to have on here. So I welcome you, Esther. Tasha, well, that's a lovely introduction. I didn't know you'd been Facebook stalking me. <laughs> <laughs> Instagram stalking. <laughs> Instagram stalking me, that's hilarious. <laughs> so let me tell you a bit about her. Esther Nago is a sober, tattooed, single mother, rock chick yoga teacher with ADHD. Sober for six years and diagnosed with ADHD just in the last year at 46 years old. Esther has had a colourful life, spontaneous and adventurous, even in sobriety. Esther has written a book about her recovery and the yoga that guided her there and now focuses on her teaching and writing on helping women with ADHD calm the emotional storms and find inner peace. Using, you've guessed it, the same tool that helped her to achieve everything that she's done. Esther loves to share these tools that are so valuable for everyone and will guide you through the simple breath practices you can incorporate into your day to help you manage stress, relax your body and mind and find the calm in the storm of life. So I welcome you and we've already had a great start and I have to tell you about this start. We came on to um, record today and I realized that I had not got a link. So I made a link. But then I went on to our old link and Esther then went on to our old link. But then because I'd sent her a new link, she went on to the new link. But then I, because I thought she wasn't coming, I went back onto the old link. <laughs> <laughs> so just I had to share that great start. It's a very, very entertaining couple of minutes that, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, we just couldn't laugh and just got on here and said how much ADHD it sure was. <laughs> So Esther, I really welcome you. So where would you like to start? Well, yeah, this is always such a funny question because like, you can start at any point <laughs> on this ADHD sort of diary, can't you? So <laughs> I think really that, I mean, in terms of, of, of this, the, 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 a good place to start would be when I started to realise that I probably had ADHD. So that was only... Um, two, just over two years ago, I worked out that I've got, that I thought I had ADHD. So my son, who was eight at the time, okay. I noticed that, I mean, he'd always had a few sort of social issues. You know, he was a bit, a bit of an awkward kid, doesn't really like other kids very much and find, has been finding it increasingly difficult to kind of relate to people his own age for quite a while. And I noticed as well as, as well as these issues that, that I already knew about, I, I, you know, I realized how much I was getting irritated by his constant fidgeting. You know, he's, he's not very energetic in terms of doing lots of exercise, doing lots of sports or anything like that. But if we're sitting down to watch Doctor Who or something, he would <laughs> still for a second. And it was driving me crazy. And then I suddenly thought, well, there's got to be a reason for this. You know, there's there's obviously something going on. He's not 
this to make me annoyed. There's a reason for this. And I knew of ADHD as being fidgeting, essentially. You know, I, I knew that all I knew of ADHD was that it was like too much energy. So I started looking at ADHD. I thought this is might be the solution, you know, and I can I can get him help them. And I started looking it up online and I started reading through these like lists of traits of ADHD. And and it was a bit of a shock because I didn't really I saw some traits of my son in this in these lists. But what I saw in every single point was me. And it, it was as if. I've said for like many times that like it was as if somebody had watched me for a week and then written a description of everything I do and everything I am. And it was like every single trait I could see myself. And it was a bit of a like, holy crap moment. <laughs> what the hell? How can I have ADHD? I'm a 40 something year old woman. How can I have ADHD? But the more I looked into it, the more I thought, well, actually, how can I not have ADHD? I love that. How can I not? I thought about who I am and how I've kind of crashed my way through life and, and all the challenges that I faced. Because I've had, I've, I've lived something of a high stress life. Um, and it, it just seemed so obvious that, well, of course I've got ADHD. You know, that explains everything. And so after a little while of kind of, thinking, yeah, I, yeah, I've got it. Yeah, I can get my head around this. That's okay. I realized that maybe I need, you know, I need some help. I need so I need to actually make this official. So I went to see my doctor, told him like, I've done your job for you. I've diagnosed myself <laughs> official, please, essentially. I love that. And um, he said, yeah, you know, I, I explained, you know, why I basically went through all of this going like, this is me, this is me, this is me, this is me. And um, he said, yeah, it sounds like, you know, you probably are ADHD, but I don't think there's any point in us taking this any further. You know, you, you're, 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 you're an adult. You're, you know, they're not going to do anything to help you, essentially. Mm. I thought, well, OK, you know, you're the doctor. I'll trust you. Um, because of my yoga teaching and because, you know, I got, I got myself sober um, six years ago. I became sober because I applied yoga to my life much and so I was like well okay then so you know I know what I'm dealing with I can use yoga if yoga can get me so but it can help me with this because it's all about attention and and energy and focus of course yeah I can manage that that's fine so I went off and I was like right okay (laughs) and then like what do I do now you know I've had this for years and I still haven't figured it out so what do I do now and I was you know I was like right well there's nothing and that was the thing was because he told me there was nothing that could be done, I just accepted that. Mm. A few months later, I had been dating for the first time since I got sober. And then oh, wow. it wasn't the best relationship. I mean, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't looking back, it wasn't a great relationship. It wasn't a great meeting of souls or anything, even remotely like it. But it was the first time I'd had this experience since I stopped drinking. And when that ended, I kind of spun out and it brought up all of these emotions. All of my previous relationship issues came out and, you know, a lot of issues came up. And so I I knew that I had all this stuff to process because, you know, and, and, you know, I I didn't have the option of going into the oblivion of red wine. So I was like, right, I've, I've got to deal with all this. But I was absolutely spinning out of control. And my ADHD kind of went through the through the roof. You know, I I couldn't. I'd have I'd have had to have got up by now after we've been talking for what twenty minutes. I I wouldn't have been able to to settle to this. I wouldn't have been able. To, I couldn't focus on a single thing, and I could feel myself plummeting emotionally, and really like I I was starting to worry that I was actually heading for another breakdown because I, I knew that emotionally I was just totally lost. Mm. So I went back to the doctor and I said, right, you need to refer me to mental health services. I need to get diagnosed because I've been looking this up and there is support that I can get. So I need to access that. And I need some therapy as well. And, I need some and so he did refer me. And then about, I think because I because of my, I mentioned about my previous drinking issues, you know, I was an, I was an alcoholic for 20 years. 
Uh, and I mentioned that I was feeling like, you know, I did, and I, I, I mentioned that, I mentioned that I was a bit worried about where I might be heading. And I think I might've got fast tracked because six months later I was sitting in a psychiatrist's office, which I know is really fast for these, especially around here, mental health services is kind of abysmal around here. Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, so I had a bit of counseling before I saw the psychiatrist, a bit of just, just sitting and chatting. And, and that was quite funny because I'm quite self-aware because of my yoga practice. And I have done a lot of kind of like looking back and I can see, you know, well, this is why this happened and blah, blah, blah. So I was basically giving my own, giving myself therapy, sitting in the counselor's office. And so I, I, I didn't really get an awful lot from that because mm. I'm like doing the work anyway so it's like you're doing the whole time you've been doing doctor's jobs you diagnosed yourself then you were sat in the counselor's office doing your own counseling good job for yourself (laughs) yeah and I I mean I went into the psychiatrist's office knowing that he was gonna diagnose me um because I don't I don't (laughs) well obviously um it was really funny because I was before like before that interview I did have a bit of a what if he tells me I haven't got ADHD? What the hell do I do then? Now. If this isn't ADHD, then then what? I'm just a disaster. And, and it was like, my if I had, if he'd said, no, you haven't, I honestly don't know. I would have been back in the counselor's office going, you need to help me now. Um, but but the, I didn't really need to worry about that because I had my first clue in that interview because he said to me, right, we're going to fill out a questionnaire and I'm going to read the questions out to you. And my first thought was, oh my God, that's going to take ages. Can you just give me the sheet and I'll answer them myself, please? Because I didn't want to go at his speed. And yeah, you I, wanted to go at your own, the patient. I wanted to go at my own speed. The thought of this man going at the speed that he wanted to go through this stuff was just like, ah. But within about three five at the most questions I think we both knew the answer because I was answering every single question with laughing and 15 different stories explaining why yes the answer to that question is very definitely yes I do that I've done that many here's 15 examples of all the times I did it and I was just fidgeting and I you know I just still for a second I was all over the place so we got to the end of the um, interview and he looked at me and he just smiled at me. He said, I'm not even going to bother adding up your scores. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you <brilliant>. have ADHD. <laughs> so how did, how did, after you've diagnosed yourself, actually got diagnosed, how did, how did that kind of, did that give you like kind of that validation? It did. So, so working it out for myself did give me that mm. because, there was, you know, nobody that I know, apart from my 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 family, who were a bit like, are you sure, really? Do you really want to give yourself this, li-? you know, and all that? Label. Yeah. I accept it now, but it took a little bit of a while. Um, but nobody who knows me, who actually read anything about ADHD, denied, you know, everybody said, yeah, that's definitely you. But, and, and then the actual diagnosis, it was, and I came out quite almost like I was celebrating. You know, I, I, I met up with the guy that I was dating at the time a couple of days later. I was like, guess what? I got my diagnosis. And he was like, oh, is, it, is that good then? Because you look like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, God, yes. <laughs> You're like, finally, someone's I know, yeah. But what was really weird and what I wasn't prepared for was after the diagnosis, I went through this amazingly challenging um, emotional roller coaster, rate for, for want of a, a less cliched phrase. So I was really happy that I'd had this diagnosis. But then the more I and I, but then when I, I started really learning about it, then, you know, I really dived into it because I think that's something that everyone does, isn't it? Like, oh, hyper focus, hyper focus on yourself and ADHD. Yes, yes. There's no time so to wait. The next- <laughs> I know, I know. And then you've got to learn everything, haven't you? So I spent like hours watching videos on YouTube, listening to podcasts, listening to book, um, audio books. And I went through what I can only describe as, as, as a really quite profound grieving pro- process. So the more I understood ADHD and myself and how ADHD has impacted me over the years, the more I 
my heart broke for the little girl and the teenager and the 20 something. I mean, I was so lost in my 20s. And by the time I got to be at 20 something, you know, I, I had fully internalized what a profound disappointment I was and what a, a failure I was and how, you know, I had so much potential, but I'd screwed it all up. And, you know, that nothing I could ever do was ever going to be good enough. That wasn't, that wasn't just ideas. That was my identity by that point. So I, it just, I found it so hard. And, and there were times when I, I would phone my, my, me and my little brother, we're really, really close. And I remember phoning him up one day and I was almost inconsolable because I could not stop thinking about all the ways that my life had been royally effed up over the years and being angry at my parents for not recognizing something that they would never have it would I'm 47 you know ADHD didn't exist when I they was would in, never have known yeah. it did it didn't exist for little girls and I wasn't although I can see like where I did show signs of hyperactivity they were more subtle signs of hyperactivity and I was because I was so kind of insecure even as a very little girl I was quite quiet, you know, and I wouldn't, I wasn't, I was probably very chatty at home, but certainly in school, I, I didn't attract attention in school other than by not achieving my potential and by being the daydreamer and all of those less obvious signs that, that only now they're starting to pick up on as being like red flags for girls and ADHD. Mm. Really, it was really interesting time um and of course you know just a few months into that we were into this lockdown thing so it's like I I went from trying to process that and and then having to try and learn to to live a whole different kind of life anyway it's just been like whoosh like a big foot double whammy almost yeah yeah and I mean I, I because of my yoga training and you know like the, the the whole personal development kind of journey that I've been on for the last few years I I really look at my level of growth and I can see now this was just over a year ago now that I got diagnosed and I can already see that I'm I think that this year both the the whole lockdown experience and everything that that's taught me about myself and that's all you know we've all learned about ourselves this year haven't we about the time we've never had this much time <laughs> oh you speak for yourself I'm a single mother with a part-time job I have no time at all <laughs> But I, I fill my time like ridiculously. So, you know, I, 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 um, but I, 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 I can see that the person I was a year ago is almost quite clueless in comparison to how I am now. So, like, I still, I'm still floundering. Like, this last month has been really hard for me emotionally. Mm. There's a lot going on in my personal life, man. And it's, it's, I, I feel almost like, I've had enough now. I just want to hibernate for the rest of the winter. I'm done with all this now. But then I, I look back at, you know, how I who I was a year ago. And I just think, God, I'm like, a, I'm, I'm 10 feet taller. Wow. And spiritually and mentally than I was then, you know, because I understand myself so much more. So it's, the, the, the whole journey of this last year since I got diagnosed has just been, basically, it's been a massive, like, fast-track self-awareness journey that it's it's been really, it's been really interesting. I wouldn't say it's fun, and I wouldn't say I've enjoyed it, but it's incredible, because I, like, I, I, I know that the person I was two, three years ago wouldn't recognize me now you know, wouldn't recognize who I am now. And that's got to be, that's, you know, and that's a positive. Like I, I struggle to recognize the person I was 10 years ago when I was deep in addiction and self-loathing and all of that. And I know that I could look, look, but you know, if I was looking two years ago, me looking forward now into this, it would be like, wow, I could never be like that. You know, and this is, wow. I, wow. I, I think, yeah, it's been great. What an absolute like thing to look at after only a year. Like mm. to be able to see the progress that you've made 
because of a not only obviously a that but just because of that diagnosis even though you knew yourself just to get that written on paper and then just to be able to and like you said it's not been up and down because you have to piece and jigsaw your whole life and you kind of I have the saying that you have to kind of grieve for the person you could have been um you know if if, if things had been different but how do you kind of feel about that now kind of like the the past and kind of you know is it I got to a point where like I had to make peace with the fact that my life is the way it is and it has been the way it was and there's no point resenting the fact that my parents didn't treat me you know my I mean my mum I was the eldest or like I'm the eldest still and my mum is very much not ADHD you know she's the opposite of me in so many ways and and her mum as well I mean her mum didn't know what to make of me at all you know she didn't she didn't do emotions at all and my mum my mum doesn't really like to talk you know she doesn't like to do emotions too much you know so for me to come along with my emotional kind of all over the place and my absolute inability to keep my bedroom tidy and everything else that that used you know everything that used to annoy her about me basically is an ADHD trait so for me to come along and be this child in her life and her first experience of being a mother must have been so challenging for her and so as well I've, I've I've moved on from that why didn't you get me diagnosed and why didn't you recognize that I wasn't the same as you and all this to oh my god I'm so glad I wasn't you having to deal with me <laughs> because you know it must have been really hard she was yeah. doing everything that her mom had taught her was the way to be a mother and it wasn't working it none of it worked because it was never going to work because you can't raise a neurodiverse child in a neurotypical way and expect them to follow the rules. <laughs> it, just yeah, yeah, it just does not work. It's like a it just, no. bombshell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think that, you know, it, I was probably, I, I, I was probably quite challenging for her. And I know that I was challenging for her. You know, I, we've, we've had lots of issues over the years because of it. And I know that there are still things that she's a bit touchy about, about how I was about it as a child. So I, I was able, and, and, you know, I'm a mum myself, and I know that I've screwed my kids up over the years, you know, because we all do, you know, with the best world, your parents, and as parents ourselves, we can't help it because we impose our own neuroses and, and screw up on our children, whether we are conscious of, and when we're not conscious of it. Mm. I know that in my kids in their 40s could be in some sort of therapy and they'd be saying, yeah, but it was all her fault. And I know I've done my best. So how can I feel like my mum did anything other than her best? So I've been able to make peace with that. And that's been really good because I've had a lot of like stuff about that over the over the last six mm. years away because of um, issues with my mum, who I, I love very much. And I'm glad that I've moved past that. Um, so I've forgotten what your question was. Oh, no, but- no, I just think that's amazing that you've actually like because some people get so stuck in the you know in the past and that and the fact that you've been able to overcome that I think it, that's the only way like in my opinion to move forward mm-hmm. and the fact that you've have overcome that so you know and and it's not been easy obviously that you've overcome that and moving forward so um do you want to mention anything else or do you want to go on to uh I'd really like to go on to you keep mentioning yoga yeah, let's talk about yoga. Yes, let's talk about yoga. So what, tell us about how you got into yoga and what kind of uh, yoga it was. So, right, so the first reason I started going to yoga was because I am a huge fan of George Harrison. I loved it <laughs> I was a little girl. And George Harrison is like my absolute idol. I've got three tattoos that are connected to George Harrison. I've got pictures of him on my bedroom wall. My middle son's father looked quite a lot like George Harrison when we met. And that may be, that may have been part of the attraction. Super fan. <laughs> super, super fan, fan yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a bit of a fan, yeah. So George Harrison was into all things Indian. And so like, oh, right. George liked yoga. Let's give that a go. I did apply the same kind of theory to um, marijuana as well. Like, it's good enough for the Beatles. <laughs> 
So, <laughs> so I first tried yoga because of George. And, and I, I remember like the first time I went to a class when I was doing my degree and I came out of this class feeling like I was floating a couple of inches off the ground. It was amazing. And I, I, I was a, a single parent student and I, I couldn't go back to that class again. So I had a video because um, I'm that old that I had videos and I watched that quite a lot, a Barbara Curry yoga video. And I really liked doing that. And then when I was, um, was it? it was after my brother died, after my, so after my, my brother died in 2005 and as a result of that, I started walking lots and because I started walking, I started to become a bit more connected to my body after years of like just, you know, kill it, kill it, kill it kind of relationship with my body. And um, because of the walking, I started to get a bit more into wanting to keep my body a bit more healthy extent. Um, and I started going to exercise classes and swimming a lot and doing lots of different types of exercise. And then there's one time I got asthma. Now, I was a very heavy smoker, particularly fond of marijuana. And I had an asthma attack and I took a week off work. And I don't know if I needed to take the week off work, but I took a week off work. You took off. it anyway. <laughs> I don't matter. Um, it was an excuse. It was probably an excuse because I didn't like my job. So I took a week off work. And during that week, I thought, right, I know I need to do something for my asthma. Sensible person would have said, give up smoking. I decided to go learn yoga because, you know, yoga is going to teach me to breathe. So I'll do yoga. So I started going to yoga classes, hated the breathing work because I have a dust allergy and my nose was constantly blocked. So I couldn't breathe through my nose. So I couldn't do the breathing exercises. So I they used to really stress me out. They used to make me really cross and make me feel really stressy. So I hated the actual reason why I went there in the first place. <laughs> I loved the postures. I loved oh, okay. the body feel. And what I really loved was that I was good at it. And I'm putting good in air quotes because I hate when people talk about being good at yoga now. Um, but I was. I used to do gymnastics when I was in school. I'm naturally flexible. And, and so I could get into the postures and it, no, it looked good in the postures. I was one of the ones in the class who the teacher would say, oh, look, Esther's doing it beautifully. So my ego. <laughs> and everyone else. Finally, something oh. I'm good at. Finally, something that I'm doing well at. Yeah. Enjoying the fact that I'm good at it rather than trying to hide that. Um, so yeah, so I did that and, and I just a few classes into to yoga classes, I decided I wanted to teach it one day. So I had that in my head right from the start that one day I'm going to teach this. So now I was like, I was, I, I was a, a, a very good yoga student right up until the point when I got home after the classes, because when I would go home after the classes and I would open a bottle of wine and I would roll a joint some cigarettes I go basically I'd come away from yoga feeling quite relaxed and chilled and go to bed pissed every time so it, it wasn't it was giving me something but it wasn't giving me enough yeah um and I think a lot and now I think a lot of that is because I wasn't doing the breathing and I'm I'll explain in a bit why uh, okay. I think that so I did that for about must have been seven years altogether um with a gap for pregnancy because I had my youngest um during the time I was going to those yoga classes I went to lots of different types of classes tried lots of different types of yoga and loved it all and then in 2013 I had a breakdown a total breakdown um it was a horrible year it was it was one of those years where it was like Looking back now, I kind of I kind of see it as the year that that, that the universe said, right, you're either going to sort your life out or you're going to die. It was either one or the other. Yeah. Um, and so I, halfway through the year, I completely collapsed emotionally, and I had to give up my job um, because it was I just couldn't face going back. Basically, I couldn't. I just couldn't do it anymore. And. I decided right now is the time to do that yoga teacher training that I've wanted to do for so long. You know, I tried for a couple of times to find a yoga teacher training course, and there was always something that stopped me. Normally, it was time, 
childcare issues. It would have been up in London or, you know, they were, they were always... There was an obstacle, yeah. Always an obstacle. So I decided, right, I'm going to find some way to do it. And at that, almost that exact moment, you know, not literally, but but <laughs> time, a local teacher who I didn't know, she teaches in Cardiff, which is 20 miles away from me. She started advertising her first ever teacher training course. And apparently I was the first person, I saw it on Facebook. Apparently I was the first person to contact her about it. And um, within about a month, I had my name down to do that. Wow. That was in a, a tradition, a, a style of yoga that I'd not encountered before. Okay, so we just had a bit of a computer malfunction technology, hey, and this, everyone's on their computers because they're trying to, uh, everyone's in lockdown, needs to get onto the internet, but I think it was just a battery thing. So uh, it's true ADHD style. We're going to take a break. Uh, Esther's gone to get a drink. I'm going to get a drink and join back after the break when we will hopefully be back on and no <laughs> technical malfunctions. I hope so anyway. So we're we'll back after the break and yeah, and we're out. If you would like any information on Indigo support group, check out the website below for our link to our Facebook page or email at indigo.adhd2020 at gmail.com. If you would like to offer any comments or feedback or if you are interested in the world hearing your story, then please reach out either through the group or through our email. As said before, have a good week. Check in again later, Indigos. Shh, the Indigo Diaries. Right, we're back. All computers plugged in. All computers plugged in. Right, yeah. we're ready to go. So before the break, we were talking to Esther about her yoga. And she was just to the point where she'd said that coincidence, well, coincidence or sign that someone near her had just started yoga training before we were cut off and then we went and got some drinks and then <laughs> we ended up talking through the break because that's what we do. So, <laughs> Esther, over to you. So, yeah, so um, back to the discovery of um, my life-saving yoga. So, yeah, this, this teacher that, I, like I said, I've never heard of her before. I'd never been to one of her classes. I didn't know what type of yoga she taught. But I just knew that there was yoga teacher training. So I was like, right, that'll do. That's, That's all I need to know. <laughs> it didn't really matter. I just needed somewhere that I could get to. And it was at weekends when I had childcare. And, you know, it was like everything seemed perfect. So I went along not having a clue what to expect. I, and, and, and I actually went along because I'd been going to yoga classes for so long and because I was so, air quotes, good at it, I thought I knew yoga. And so I went in there like a bit arrogant thinking, I don't need to, I'm not going to learn anything. Here. I just need the certificate. And <laughs> I think that was that, that idea had gone by the end of the first day. I was like, I thought... <laughs> After about three hours, I thought, oh, my God, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> Sorry. All I know is the postures. I know nothing about yoga. And it was a real eye-opener because, and, and I see this now as a yoga teacher, people think they know what yoga is about, but actually they don't. They know a few postures. And, and your postures are such a tiny part of yoga that I think it's a, a, a tragedy that that has become what people associate with yoga because when all I was doing with the postures it wasn't actually changing my life at all it wasn't impacting on me oh, okay. other than it was making me flexible and that was it you know um but this training so we were given these books these these course manuals and and it was um it's a step-by-step -step course that was developed originally as a distance learning course a correspondence course back in the 70s and as I started looking through you know we did we did that week that weekend's classes and 
then I started reading through all the coursework and doing some of the, the exercises and I started thinking, oh my God, this, this could change my life. And what I started to think was that I would probably give up smoking as a result of this. That was the, that was the main thing that I could really? see. It was wow. that I'm going to learn how to do all this breathing and this is going to help me to give up smoking. That was that was it. Within a few weeks of doing this training, I noticed that I was able to sleep, which was virtually unheard of. I'd been insomniac since I was a child, about eight or nine. Um, I'd had insomnia. And that was part of the reason why I drank so much was because I, I convinced myself that it was helping me sleep, even though that's complete nonsense. Um, but I started being able to sleep. And I started to notice that I was able to, re I was reacting differently to the world. So I was like a terrible, terrible, angry driver. You know, if you, I, I, I would, I would be shouting and screaming and swearing and making hand gestures at everyone on the road, you know, while being a spectacularly bad driver myself, probably. Because <laughs> That's I, usually the case. <laughs> yeah. Because if you're stressed and angry behind the wheel, you're not going to be driving. Driving sensibly, are you? <laughs> no, not a little bit. But I noticed that I wasn't getting angry at other drivers. Um, and, and so these little things, like little things like how I was reacting to minor stressors, the, you know, the things that weren't that big a deal, but that would, that would piss me off enough that I'd be angry for hours about them. And, and then I, um, I was advised to stop having dairy products because dairy products create excess mucus in the body so I was advised like stop because we because I had to learn how to breathe properly I had to learn how to do the pranayama so I had to be able to breathe through my nose so I was advised to stop having dairy I was already vegetarian so giving up cheese was a bit of a bind but not that big a deal really um and within a few days of cutting out the dairy, I could breathe through my nose, which was, I mean, that was a complete game changer for me. I hadn't, I, that was, a, I could breathe properly for the first time in my life, like a 42 years old, I was finally able to breathe properly. And the more I was able to breathe and, and really become conscious and become really connected to my breath, the more I was able to handle life. And I, I, I was going through, um, I, I mean, my, my youngest son's father and I, there's a lot of animosity between us and he's calmed down a lot in recent years, but, but we split up when, before my son was two and the relationship was kind of a disaster from the start, really. Um, but it was very anim acrimonious between us. And I started noticing changes in how I was reacting to him and to the arguments. And, you know, we, I was getting more in control of my own responses. And so our arguments were different then. And, and it was like, my God, this stuff is incredible. You know, this is actually, I could feel it changing who I was because I'd always been this volatile, reactive, highly strung person. And all of a sudden I was, it was like, well, what is going on? You know, who am I becoming? Cause I, this isn't, this isn't me, but it feels like me as well. And so I, 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 I was still drinking and smoking, okay. but I cut it down so that I was only drinking and smoking at weekends um, because I'd, I'd cut it down so I was only smoking if I was drinking. And while I was my training, I wanted to be able to get up early in the mornings to do yoga practice in the mornings, but then I allowed myself basically weekends off, apart from the teacher training weekends. So weekends... I would, so I'd be sober all week. And then at the weekends, I would be like, it's like party, like it's 1999 thing, you know, just yeah. for it. Leave it and for the weekend. And drink like crazy. And, you know, really, I mean, I drank a lot anyway, but I would drink, I was drinking more then because I was kind of making up for lost time. But then what I was finding, of course, because I was taking this, so my tolerance was dropping. And I was doing all this stuff to clear my body out and to, you know, really cleansing my system through the week and then like absolutely caning at the weekends. I was developed, I was discovering what a hangover was. Because I if you when you drink nearly every day, you don't get hangovers. When you go from drinking every day to drinking once a week and you drink that as you know, you 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 drink 
not what you get half of us <laughs> what the hell is this I you're like what is this i've never had this for so why many years. do i feel like <laughs> i'm dying what's happening <laughs> and it was just i mean it was horrible you know like this this why and then one morning i'd had a, a really fun night with one of my best friends i'd been up till daybreak dancing around my living room and I'd had a great night and I drank everything, basically. I even drank the whiskey that was in the back of the cupboard that my friend left. I don't like whiskey, but I drank the whiskey as well. I drank in lager, which I didn't like. I was anything, anything alcoholic that was in the house. I drank that night. And then the next day I was just lying on the settee going, I, I just want to die. Just, just kill me now. Kill me now. I couldn't open my eyes. I couldn't move. I had all this stuff that I'd wanted to do. Teacher training, coursework in particular. I really wanted, I wanted to get that done. And I was just lying there going, no, I'm not doing this anymore. This is not worth it. I don't need this anymore. And I got to this point where like I'd spent 20 years needing alcohol because I was so messed up in so many ways I had so many problems that I was dragging around with me that that it was all about the oblivion and not wanting to face my feelings but I was actually learning how to face my feelings and learning how to manage them and so I was lying there that day and, and I just thought I'm not doing this to myself anymore this is and it felt different. It didn't feel like, you know, everyone wakes up with a hangover and says, oh, never again. But this time it felt different because this time I was acutely aware that I had another way I could have managed. Had a choice. I had it. I had it. Yeah, I had an option. So I decided then that I was never going to put myself in a situation where I felt like that again. And so I thought, right, next weekend, I'm not going to drink. And that was all I told myself was next weekend, I'm going to stay sober. I'm going to have a sober weekend. I'm going to have a quiet, clean, sober weekend with lots of yoga. And I'll go for a walk. And, you know, I was going to, I planned a lovely weekend. And then I did the same the next week and the next week and the next week. And every night when I went to bed, I really focused on, I'm going to remember doing this today. And when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to remember this. I'm going to remember coming upstairs. I'm going to remember putting my pajamas on. I'm going to remember brushing my teeth. And I remembered to brush my teeth um, and all of this. And then in the morning when I got up, I, I'd lie in bed and I'd remind myself of all that. And that was such a change because before I'd wake up and I'd be trying to piece together the night before and I'd be like, Going, oh my God, I wonder if I sent anyone a text I wish I hadn't sent. Or did I phone somebody? Or what did I put on Facebook? And who did I, you know, all the different ways I could have embarrassed myself or upset people. I would be lying there trying to remember if I'd done any of that. And instead, I, I lay in bed focusing on, yeah, well done, Esther, you did again. So I was giving myself that positive emotion that, that it turns out now that was like part of ADHD management. Yes, it is, yeah positive emotion that motivates so I was using that strategy and and gradually over a few weeks I reached a point where the sobriety was actually preferable and I I was enjoying being sober after my my brother's wedding um six weeks later I chose not to drink at my brother's wedding and the next day I felt so good because I hadn't messed up my brother's wedding my parents weren't angry with me I'd been able to look after my four-year-old um, I hadn't needed to be looked after myself. You know, we'd been able to, we had to walk for about a mile and a half across London and I'd been able to do that. I hadn't needed to be you know, poured into a taxi. Mm. And I felt so good that that day I announced to my parents, I'm not drinking again. And I haven't since. And Wow, I have to say, sorry, but what an achievement, like, <laughs> what an achievement to just find that something else and then find that choice and then make that choice for yourself, like, absolutely, that must have took so much strength. But it, it's, you know, yes, I mean, I'm sure it probably did, but I don't see it like that. As I see it as I actually just found something so much better. And so... The strength, I mean, yes, I've needed to, I've needed to find my strength a lot over the years because I've had to deal with some really tough times without turning to drink. 
yes, I mean, a different way. When, you know, I mentioned earlier on when I, I came out of that first relationship and I was dealing with this like onslaught of emotions that I'd not ever dealt with before. So, you know, I mean, issues from when I broke up with my first boyfriend probably were coming up and you know, there was all sorts of stuff coming up. And I remember at one point being really angry that the option to get completely and utterly hammered wasn't there for me. And it wasn't that I wanted to drink. I just wanted to be able to shut my feelings down for a little bit. And that is what I always turned to alcohol for. I mean, sometimes it was about, I, you know, being able to pretend that I was having fun or being able to connect to people in a way that I couldn't do when I was sober. But mostly it was about not wanting to feel the way I felt. So having to face all of that over the last six years, and I mean, you know, we've had, as, you know, as a collective, we've had some pretty hard times. And individually, I've had a lot going on with the ex and my family stuff and work and, and so much. So there has been strength. You know, I have, I have definitely been able to, I can see where I've become stronger and, and I, like to remind myself that I'm I'm a bit of a warrior really and that I I even like this last few weeks I've I felt really low um but I I can remind myself that actually you know I'm so strong I'm still getting through this and even though I'm feeling like shit I'm still doing all this stuff and I'm still I'm still growing and I'm not um wallowing in it and I'm not sort of collapsing into it so yeah, there is strength, but I, I don't know. I don't, I think just because it's just become what I do, I don't always give myself the credit for that. I don't always see it. I think that's the thing we could see it in other people, but when it comes to looking at it in ourselves, yeah. it's like, uh, yeah. no, it's yeah. just, that's what I did. And that's kind of what I do. I, I really love that though, that, that you found your niche, you know, you found your mm. niche, but it not only is it just like a, a job, like, but it's a lifestyle and it's, and it's basically turned your whole life, you know, upside down. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, yoga is just, it's its just, I mean, it has, it has, it has, it has changed my life for the better so much. And it's given me the opportunity to actually find who I am. You know, I, I, we all, you know, anyone with ADHD knows about the masks that we create and, and everyone creates masks. Yeah. Uh, we do, we we've got a you know most people would have a, a cupboard full we've got you know like a walking wardrobe full of them we've got like a whole um, house full for different occasions for different yes, days yeah. different people yeah, <laughs> yeah so i mean yoga gave me i mean i still you know i've still got a few masks obviously we do yeah you know, we you, we can't go through life without them but <clears throat> i can at least stand in the mirror and look at myself without the mask now and that yoga has given me that ability that I can see myself. And I sometimes need a bit of help to see the positives, you know, and I do need to be reminded that actually, do you know what, Esther, you're doing okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my, my, my failings that I see, maybe they're perfectionism and maybe I'm doing better than I like to think I am. And, you know, I do need that external reminder because, because all that, negativity that negative messaging that we get as children that becomes so embedded in our psyche that it's even though logically I know it's there it's really hard to separate that from what is my truth and what is my true nature but I can actually look at who I am now and I can handle the bits of myself that I don't like you know I don't swear at myself like I used to I don't call myself names or if I do I catch myself doing it Mm. I'm you know I remind myself then you know you're you're not all those things that you're calling yourself just just you know take a breath (laughs) take a breath yes and that what's well with you got but uh I have to say (laughs) that like um you know we're not I think I think the fact that you can take the mask off with yourself and and we all need those external reminders you know the perfectionism is a really we just talked about that in the break it's a hard thing and uh but the fact that you can take the mask off with yourself is so, yeah, it just, it speaks a lot of words. It, it is. It's, it's really powerful. I, mean, I don't always like what I see, but you know, <laughs> I can face seeing it. And that's, you know, yeah. that's normal because we, we're not going to, and particularly because that inner critic voice is so loud. 
but at least I can recognize that it's the inner critic now and it's not me and I'm still I've been doing a bit of um I've been doing I've done a few workshops recently with um people around like transforming my relationship with the inner critic and fig- understanding it a bit more and oh, that's cool um they've been really powerful because you know like I can see like the inner critic is um a defense mechanism that we created when we were a child to to, to keep us safe yes we need them but we in a, our inner critic is there to stop the nasty kids in school laughing at us or to stop our mother being mean to us or to stop your brother picking up it's you know we created that voice in our head so understanding it really helps you to be able to be compassionate when it comes up and to be yeah, it- it really does yeah it's really powerful like when you understand the more you can understand about what's going on in your head the better it is to, to live you know the inner critic is never going to go away no no we, we created it for a reason is, yeah yeah it's there for a reason same as the perfectionism is there to protect you and I mean I think that's why people with ADHD have these issues with perfectionism and inner critic so much is because we got criticized and we got mocked and we were told, you know, you could do much better than this. So, you know, if that's what you're getting told all the way through school is you could be doing so much better. Why aren't you doing better? Why why didn't you get full marks? You should have got full marks. Why isn't this better? If that's what you hear your entire childhood, it's no wonder we're crazy perfectionists. (laughs) We embed that in our, it's in our entire being that we are well enough that, that we could do better. It doesn't matter how well you do then. It's so sad. You could be an internationally acclaimed actress winning Oscars all over the place. And if you've got that voice telling you, you could be doing better. Even that person isn't going to (laughs) be, isn't going to be happy with themselves. It's it's powerful. It is. So kind of, so this year, so you talked about, we're we're not going to go into the big C word. (laughs) um we're not going to start and that's not a swear word that's the 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 thing that everybody knows about but every time you speak to anybody on the phone or you switch on the news it's all about that so Mm. what's this year been like for you because I know you spoke a little bit about this how it's been a really tough year so kind of obviously you've been you you got your diagnosis you've gone kind of through that journey are you still doing your yoga are you I am um I'm I'm at the moment, I don't, I don't, this last, like I said, this month has been really, oh, no, November, I mean, we're November now, but this last month or so has been fiendishly difficult for me, but I mean, the whole year has really, um, well, from March onwards, so I, I had my, my, my second breakup in March where this guy that I thought was like, oh, he's the one I've been waiting for all my life broke up with me, and that kind of, messed me up for a while and then we had that whole thing that we're not mentioning going on um I've I've learned an awful lot about myself um I've learned I can survive pretty much anything that life wants to throw at me and that's not an invitation (laughs) (laughs) yeah don't throw anything else come on give her a break (laughs) I could do with a break I could I wish I was a hibernating animal I really do I could do like burrowing down I would love that if you find out how to do that let me know (laughs) (laughs) please so yeah I've had a lot of opportunities for growth this year so I'm calling them now it's not been problems they've been opportunities for growth and what I've what I've learned through I mean I've I've been very lucky that I did an ADHD course in the summer so um I don't know if you know Tracy Otsuka um ADHD for smart ass women yeah I do yeah she, she's, I, I love her. She did a course called Your ADHD Brain is A-OK. And that was, that, that was huge. The massive, wow. my um, kind of self-discovery journey. So through that, I was really able to identify my strengths and my passions and my whole niche around ADHD and yoga and women grew out of that. When I realized that actually my favorite people in the whole world are women with ADHD because they're amazing. And they're yeah, we really, are, we are. Just a shout out, we are amazing. <laughs> we are, we are amazing and funny and brilliant and, you know, just just so cool. So that was really good. So, you know, I've, I've learned that I can withstand some pretty 
traumatic experiences. And I've learned what I'm good at. I've learned that I'm probably doing better than I think most of the time, that if I can step back from how I'm feeling in that moment and actually look objectively at what's going on in my life, that normally I sort of look back and I look and say, oh, yeah, yeah, that wasn't a complete disaster after all. It was a, I didn't completely screw that up. I did okay. Um, and I'm learning that okay is, is sometimes enough, that, you know, if okay. you're doing okay, that's fine. If all you're doing is okay, then that's fine. That's, that's perfect. I am also, I have also learned that sometimes it's absolutely okay if all you're capable of doing is getting through the day and that you don't have to be on all the time. You don't have to be doing all the time. I'm far too, because I'm very hyperactive, I'm constantly wanting to do, 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 do stuff. And then I end up with a, a to-do list that basically looks like a year, you know, a, a 12 <laughs> and I was like, that's today. And then I get to the end of it. And of course I've achieved nothing because I got completely overwhelmed by all that. So I spent the day on Facebook because I can't do <laughs> to-do list. And um, so I've, I'm learning, I, I need to, I've, I've learned that I need to, I need to sort of reevaluate my planning and my implementation of life a little bit. And that I try and, I put too much pressure on myself a lot. So it has been a really, um, a really good year. You know, I've learned a lot about my relationships with other people, how I am with men in particular. And um that, that, yeah, that maybe sometimes, you know, I just need to give myself a really big break and that, that I need to breathe and keep doing those practices. Because when I feel overwhelmed by life, the first thing that goes by the wayside is all the things that stop me feeling overwhelmed, the yoga, the breath. So this morning, well, for the last few days, I've, I, I barely made it to my yoga mat because I'm not sleeping very well at the moment because my... HD medication has just increased. So I'm having a bit of sleep issues because of that. So then I'm not sleeping enough. And so then the first thing that I, I think, I, well, I haven't got time for my yoga this morning. And then I'm, I'm, and then I'm on a downward spiral because I'm not doing the things that keep me well. So, you know, I am very aware of how much I need my self-care because if it wasn't for my breathing practices, walking, writing, um, and just getting as much sleep as I possibly can, and occasionally taking a whole week off from doing anything that feels like work, other than my job, you know, I mean, all the, the stuff outside of my job. Yeah. Um, that all the other things I put pressure on myself to do, sometimes I need to just let it all go and just I, be. Yeah. We try, we spend so much time doing that sometimes we, we forget actually yeah. wait a minute we're not here to do we're here to be like that's mm. kind of how I see it. like what have yeah. you actually done for you today like what have what and and it's and it's that shift isn't it but like yeah. you said when we're going through the tough times sometimes the things that make us be just don't seem you know essential they don't seem they don't seem possible yeah. that's to me is it's not possible um you know I have to do all these other things so I can't possibly go to my yoga mat and and you know my I know logically if I do that then everything else is going to flow so much smoother yeah and I won't feel like I'm battling against the day but I still can't get myself to to do that sometimes but every time I do life is so much better so you know I just need to paint it in big letters on my wall I think. yeah just get a big, got time a big sign get a big sign <laughs> stop just breathe oh. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> stop yeah. don't do be I think yeah. we all need yeah. that we all need that reminder but I just want to mm -hmm. mention that like the fact that like this year like how positive you know you said that sometimes you need to look at the positive but when I asked you this question all I've heard is the growth the positive the mm. fact that you've had a hard time but it's okay and that's enough so I think already you've already just in this, you know, 10 minute question, you've already talked about how much growth and positive things that you've done. Yeah. And I just want to say I'm that's really admirable. Thank you. Thank you very much. No, it's uh, honest there. So as we kind of come into the end and wrapping up, is uh 
we'll get to the encouragement in a minute is there any kind of any last words or any last thoughts you kind of want to wrap up with my um kind of go-to uh thing whenever i feel like you know like 2020 ish <laughs> that's just going to become that's just going to become a euphemism for so much isn't it yeah it is i feel very 2020 my my go-to is always to to return to my breath and i've actually got a tattoo on my right wrist that says breathe and it's there as a reminder so you know we've been talking about like the challenges of life and Wanna, you know, whenever you do feel like that, there is there is always that that you know the 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 ADHD mind is so busy all the time. But if you can remember, and half the time we we don't even we like we're we're almost like we're floating heads walking around, and we're so disconnected from our bodies that we forget that we're breathing. And that's not just people with ADHD; that's people, you know, that's society in general. We forget that we're breathing. And when you remind, remember that you're breathing and you just slow your breath down, it's, it's so powerful. I mean, you know, forgetting that you're breathing is almost like forgetting that you're living because mm. stop breathing, then you stop living. So if we're forgetting that we're breathing, then we're forgetting that we're living. And it can really be so beneficial for ADHD because if you're feeling like, you know, you've got all you know, those millions of thoughts all colliding for your attention at once, and you're stuck in the swamp is how I feel sometimes. I feel like I'm just stuck in this swamp and I can't get out. And it almost becomes physical. It almost feels like I'm physically trapped in this swamp. But if you take a breath or two, then a lot of the, 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 the unnecessary thoughts just kind of melt away. And, and you can see like, okay, that's the one I need to focus on. That's the clarity. That's where I need to go. And it is so profound I I all that that stuff about my recovery from the alcohol there was lots I was doing that got me sober but the main thing that got me sober was learning to breathe and the the control that that gave me over my emotions you know emotional dysregulation is such a problem in ADHD but you can control your emotions your breath and your emotions are so intimately connected that if you can learn how to breathe and learn how to become aware of your breath and how to breathe consciously, you can actually take control of your emotional response. And that's what I do. And I know that, you know, I know I've talked about feeling overwhelmed, but I recognize when I'm overwhelmed now, rather than spending six months there wondering why I'm in, in, in the midst of a deep depression. I recognize the overwhelm now. Um, so it does help to, 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 to become aware of your emotions because if you're aware of your emotions, then you can start to learn how to manage them. So it's a really helpful tool that you've always got. You don't even have to worry about forgetting it. You know, it's, you know, it's there. It's, <laughs> using carry it your journal around with you or remember to carry your diary or your, you know, all these other things that are great for ADHD if you remember to use them. You can't forget to breathe. <laughs> you literally can't or you will not be here. No, even with ADHD, you can't forget to breathe. <laughs> I love that. So that's one thing for ADHD is to remember, or not to remember, because you will do it anyway. So I just want to say a big, huge thank you for first reaching out to myself and coming on this diary. And I think that for yourself and many others, they will really, and I can say for myself, I can really resonate with a lot of what you've said. And you've actually given me quite a lot of, a lot of thought to go on for myself and kind of looking at my own life and it was um I feel honored to have had the opportunity to have met with you and connected with you on here and I really Thank hope you. that others will also you know because you, you're so unique in your own way and but there's still like I still see so much of like myself in you know and that's what I love about this community about that you know yeah we see so many differences but there's so many similarities and it's just yeah amazing I love that yeah, I think that's my favorite thing about ADHD. It's like we've all got the same traits, but but you put a hundred people in with ADHD in a room, and you've got a room full of very hundred very very different people. They're not one of us that would be, you know, you don't like. Oh, you can't say all people with ADHD are the same at all. <laughs> no, I've never met one person. We've got similar, but yeah. not the same. But it's funny though, because as you say, you go through that list. I'm the same. You go through, and you're like, yep, yep, yep. But it's just so many, you know, variable, you yeah, know. Yeah, so yeah. 
So mm -hmm. uh, you'd like to leave us with an encouragement for today. So would you like yes. to read that? Shall I read that out for you now? Let me get, um, oh, is it still in the chat? Because I, um, did I lose the chat? Oh yeah, I'll put it up. <laughs> this is yeah. another one. ADHD style. <laughs> oh, yeah, still in the chat. No, it's not for me because I can't. Right. <clears throat> okay, so like I said, this is something that I wrote um, a couple of years ago, and it's something that I've come back to again and again to remind myself what I believe. It's one of those times, you know, one of those things that summed up everything that I think. <clears throat> so I know that there is huge power to be found in the breath. Not only does it keep us alive from minute to minute, but it is the anchor on which we can steady our mind. It is the roots from which we can grow, it is the nourishment that helps us to thrive, and it is the space that allows us to see and hear ourselves clearly. Wow. Wow. The fact that you wrote that, my heart's going like, wow. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I, I, so I just want to say thank you again. I really, really thank, thank you. you. It's been lovely. It's been really fun chatting with you. Thank you, Tasha. Oh, the minute we got on it was a laugh and the minute we're leaving, it was a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so yet again, we leave Indigos with another incredible story and someone else to really be able to listen to and relate your story to. And like we just said, so many unique, but so many differences. So with this thought, I want to mention, if you'd like to reach out and share your story anonymously or through myself or through yourself, then please do. Sometimes the best way to move forward is to just get it out there so it's not so locked up in your internal mind. So signing out, Indigo, see you soon. Have a great December and remember to breathe. Even though you do, you'll all, your body will remember, try and remember yourself. And we're out. Dear Diary. Dear Diary. Dear Diary. Today is ending. I'll check in again tomorrow. Tomorrow is a brand new beginning. Good night, sweet dreams. I think tomorrow will be... Shh.